0: unraveling the true crime mysteries that keep you up at night. There were two more murders 15 miles Police away survived. in arrived and found the have and electricity by weird here, described huh? by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Morning. Cup of murder. Going off to sleepaway camp, especially for the first time, can be extremely daunting for a young child. You get homesick, and though you know fun is in your future, you can't help but miss the comforts of home. On June 13, 1977, three girls who had all the fun in the world just around the corner were brutally killed before their Girl Scout camp could even fully begin. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Camp Scott in Locust Grove, Oklahoma, 50 miles from Tulsa, had been operating as a Girl Scout camp for almost 50 years when it prepared for its newest group in 1977. It was idyllic, loved and cherished by all who came to stay, and sat on 410 acres of densely wooded hill country. The girls had the chance to fish, make friends, and camp under the stars in a series of tents named after Indian tribes. During the first two weeks of June, more than 130 campers were going to be staying in this camp, and months before their arrival, the counselors were doing on-site training to prepare. It was during that training that one of the counselors noticed that her tent had been ransacked, donuts stolen from their box. When she lifted the lid, there was a handwritten note inside that vowed to murder three campers. Assuming it was simply a prank, they continued their training and welcomed the new campers on June 12, 1977. That night, after all of the parents and buses went away, and the girls found their new bunk mates, they all settled into their tents and prepared to wait out the incoming thunderstorm. Three of these girls were Lori Lee Farmer, 8, Doris Denise Milner, 10, and Michelle Heather Goose, 9, who were all from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and bunking in Tent 8 together. Their tent, which was the furthest from the counselor's tent, was partially obscured by the camp showers. Showers that, at 6 a.m. the next morning, were the intended destination of one of the counselors. That's when she happened upon one of the girls' bodies, still in her sleeping bag, lying in the nearby forest. It wasn't long before the other two girls, sleeping in tent 8, were found, on the trail leading to the showers, about 150 yards from their tent. All three girls were raped bludgeoned and strangled to death. A large red flashlight was found on top of the bodies and contained the only viable fingerprint on the lens. Inside of the tent was a bloody footprint. With very little in the way of clues and needing to keep the remaining campers safe, parents were called and buses began shuttling the remaining girls and their counselors away from the camp. As investigations began, they discovered that none of the girls, nor the counselors, heard any sounds that remotely sounded like a vicious murder. One counselor heard a noise but chalked it up to the traffic in the area and the thunderstorm. With no leads and the fingerprint and shoe print not leading to an identification, the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders was heading into unsolved territory. That was until a man named Gene Leroy Hart was arrested. Gene had been at large since escaping from the Mays County Jail, where he was serving time for kidnapping and raping two pregnant women in 1973. He had been raised near Camp Scott and was arrested within a year at the home of a fellow Cherokee medicine man. He was tried in March of 1979, and though the local sheriff was certain he was guilty, a jury acquitted him of any involvement in the Girl Scout murders. Just a few months later, on June 4, 1979, Gene Hart, the only ever suspect in the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, died while jogging in a prison yard. Two of the families of the victims later sued the company running the camp, claiming that the threatening note and the distance of the girls' tent were cause for negligence. They lost their trial. Ten years later, DNA testing was done and proved that there was only a 1 in 7,700 chance that Gene was the killer. In 2017, the sheriff raised $30,000 in donations in order to do a new DNA test as the science had advanced. The families in the meantime continued to try to make changes to the laws, create support groups, and even found organizations to help parents of murdered children. Hopefully, as DNA progresses and new people enter the system daily, we may finally be able to solve the case and put the man or woman who took the lives of three girls behind bars. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on June 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there is always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee.